Hi, I'm Claire Riley and welcome to MS Understood. I was diagnosed with multiple sclerosis in April 2017. At the time, all I wanted to do was get on with my life, put my head in the sand and privately listen to real people's stories about living with this unpredictable disease. I was deep in denial, terrified about the unknown ahead and I felt really alone. So here it is. MS Understood, conversations with real people from all walks of life who live with MS. Before we get started, I'd like to acknowledge that this episode of MS Understood was recorded across multiple lands. I recognise and acknowledge that all of Australia is Aboriginal land and I pay my respects to Elders past, present and emerging. This always was and always will be Aboriginal land. And the other thing is occasionally I'll get a really, really bad spasm in my groin or in my hamstring to the point where I'm screaming and my husband will go out and I'll, t- um, I'll take a mill uh, and within 60 seconds that spasm has um, gone. Today on MS Understood, we chat with Marianne Gall. Marianne reached out to me after I shared Beardo's episode where we talked briefly about medical cannabis. She wanted to be able to share her experience with um, medicinal cannabis, and I loved being able to continue the conversation and ask for me to be able to ask all of the questions. She explained the difference between off-the-street marijuana and medicinal cannabis. We also talked about peer support through MS Connect in our states and how you can easily get incredible one-on-one or group support. Marianne talked about how she managed her huge work days, how changing medication changed her life, and how her family support has been the best thing to happen to her since her diagnosis. Hi, Marianne. Thank you so much for taking the time to share your story with us on MS Understood today. How are you going? Good, thanks, Claire. How are you? Good, thank you. Now, I just want to share quickly, before we um, kind of dive in, I wanted to share with everyone that you actually contacted me um, after we did some training, and we'll go into that again also, but in response to an episode um, that I shared a few weeks ago, which I'm actually really grateful that you did that, because it's really nice to be able to continue these sorts of conversations. So, yeah, thank you so much. Yes, that's fine. It was just when when I listened to your podcast and um, there was some discussion around um, medicinal or medical um, cannabis, I just wanted to give you my side of the story in yeah. terms of the legalities, I guess, for want of a better word. Yeah, for sure. Um, before we get too stuck into it, I love everyone to tell a diagnosis story. So can you share yours with us? Yeah, sure. So um, in 1991, I had um, an episode, which probably was my first MS episode, where um, my husband said that I'd come out of the shower and had blisters on my back um, from the hot water, but I hadn't felt it. So from that, there was a process that was in the very early days of MRIs. I live in a regional um, town in New South Wales. So I went down to Sydney, saw a professor in a big teaching hospital, and he didn't tell me, but he told my um, physician, because remember there weren't the specialties that there are now, um, and unfortunately that wasn't related to me, but he thought that that was the early stages of MS. So I was on high-dose steroids, oral steroids, for about 12 months no more episodes and then um, in 2007 we were in Tasmania my husband and I having a holiday and I lost 
my position in space. It's called proprioception. So I didn't, I felt like I wasn't standing up, that I was falling over. And I actually looked like an aeroplane because I had my arms out, um, thinking that that might give me the balance that I needed. Um, I came back to a hometown. So I live in Tamworth, New South Wales. And um, then the ball started rolling and I had MRIs and saw a neurologist. And I was initially um, diagnosed with primary progressive. But I then, about 10, year, um, 10 years later, so about four years ago, changed my MS team and I go down to Newcastle to um, uh, John Hunter Hospital, which has a big neuro clinic. And they actually said, no, it was sec- uh, relapsing, remissing, remitting, but I'm, in se- I'm secondary progressive now. Right. So first thing is that's a huge amount of time between when you're first... Yep. Symptoms yep, were 16, when you were taking nearly your sixteen years. Yeah, um, and I imagine that a huge amount of things would have changed in that time between, like you said, you went to the neurologist, uh, you had your MRI, and then they spoke to the physician, versus two thousand and seven, where there's, I imagine, a huge amount more knowledge and, and research and medications kind of available. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. So in two thousand and seven, then when I had a couple of episodes um, after that initial diagnosis, of course, um, as many people with MS would know, you go to hospital and you have methylprednisolone infusions and things like that, which yeah. didn't stop any of it. But I've been very lucky. I haven't had a lot of um, new lesions since about two thousand and ten. And I was put on galenia. Oh, yeah, right. On oral medication. And, I mean, again, as you said, um, look, we've got disease-modifying therapies. There's about 12 or so and um, new medications coming out all the time. And the only reason I got off galenia was um, there was concern about skin cancer and my liver function tests were just completely off the planet. So I now have Ocrevus, um, which is a ocrolizumab, which is a six-monthly infusion, which goes for about four hours. Yeah. Um, and I've been fantastic. My whole life's changed since I went on ocrolizumab. Yeah, wow. Um, I do want to ask about that, but I also want to go back quickly to your initial diagnosis was secondary progressive, and then they re-diagnosed you as having had primary progressive oh sorry primary primary progressive right yes primary progressive first and then re-diagnosed you as having relapsing remitting so that was because there were two different two different specialists um and look I was told I was going to be in a wheelchair within three years from the the first diagnosis and um well, I'm very bloody-minded, so even if that was going to be the case, I didn't have time for wheelchairs. I was still working, so I didn't retire till 2013, and um, and I had a huge um, job as a critical care consultant, and I had 20 hospitals um, covering the size of Tasmania, so I just didn't have time for MS. I was just too busy doing other things. Wow. So that, I mean, that's outrageous you you were working you were diagnosed as primary progressive so how were your symptoms showing up then um so it was more the numbness um foot drop so I've got a right foot drop and um from a very early stage continence issues both bowel and bladder so they're my primary and only fatigue fatigue's only come in the last oh 
decade, but I'm, I'm not going to sound corny, but I'm 71. And so you have to balance what you think is MS and what is old age, you know, progression to old age. So, you know, it's been funny in that way. But I, I would say my fatigue is really MS fatigue because it's like trying to open up a door against a really um, high wind, you know, when you're really, really pushing. And that I do have in the afternoons. And I had it at work um, to the point where when my nurse educator wasn't in the office with me, we shared the same office, I would put a sheet on the floor and sleep for an hour so that I could get through the rest of the day. And really, um, even uh, a decade ago, employees weren't as sympathetic and I I probably didn't get the support that I needed to manage um, that job. I was going to say that, like you're in such a, you know, high-powered position. Like you said, you're looking after a huge area of, of hospitals and having to manage this diagnosis where your symptoms are bladder and bone function and foot drop, which makes walking difficult, which means walking around a hospital becomes quite a feat. How did you manage that all the time? I mean, you, like you said, you had your naps. Um, and, look, I was very lucky um, because um, initially I didn't tell anybody and I, I think a lot of people didn't say that apart from the family members. I didn't want to spruik it, but then people noticed me dragging my leg and so then I used to say it. So they were very, very sympathetic. The biggest problem I had was actually getting to those hospitals. So the furthest hospital is 300 kilometres away um, where I would have almost micro sleeps when driving. So then I had to learn to stop every half an hour, get out of the car, walk around, which meant that you had actually added time to your travel. So sometimes I used to leave at 4 o'clock in the morning so that I could start at 8 o'clock at the hospital um, and then give them eight hours. So then sometimes those were 16-hour days, which is totally illegal from an occupational health and safety thing. But, no, it was because I was passionate about my job. So being a critical care nurse um, in small rural towns that didn't often have a GP, that you had to give the nurses support and you wanted to make sure that the, the patients got the best care they possibly could. And I often thought that we were like second-rate cousins in rural areas as opposed to the metropolitan um, hospitals in terms of timeliness to care, getting the right care and getting the right people looking after those people. Yeah. I mean, I think I said this before we started, but... Um when I interviewed Tim Ferguson, he said that it only ever um, gets the people who really can fit a lot in. And I don't, I honestly don't know how you managed to do that then with this diagnosis. And like you said, 16 hour days, that's yeah. just. But don't forget, um, Claire, I didn't have children because, but I mean, we have two children, sorry, but I've got a son who's 50 and I've got a son who's 47. So they had left home. So I didn't have a responsibility. I have a very supportive husband and um, you may already picked up that I'm an A-type personality. So um, I was never going to say never. Never never's not part of my word, my vocabulary. And I have to say that probably 
Um, in the early days of having MS, I focused on what I couldn't do rather than focusing on what I can do. And when I made that transition to saying, okay, well, maybe I didn't walk my five kilometres today, but I made 3.5 and made that a celebration rather than a disappointment, that my whole life changed around that as well. Yeah, there is a lot about that mindset, sh- mindset shift in um acceptance which takes a long time and a lot of work um and like you said celebrating those little wins or sell you know switching things around to really um celebrate the things that you can do rather than be upset about the things you can't do yes exactly yeah um, so you have a very good life. Oh and it sounds like it my goodness you I mean you're not going anywhere you're still living it. Um you said that changing to the I want to say Ocrevus. Map or Ocrevus. Yeah, changed your life. How how did it change your I life? I really felt quite ill on galenia. You know, it was something that made me feel nauseated um, and I didn't think that it was doing anything for me and I think that's something that people need to take to heart. I'm not saying that you need to get second opinions but I think sometimes I just kept it to myself and just thought, oh, well, I'm not getting any better. I mean, I knew that these medications were not going to cure MS um, but one thing I wanted to do was to maybe stop the progression and I actually did think that... Um, the Ocrevus, um, sorry, Galenia didn't do that for me. And I don't want people who are listening to this to think that Galenia is not good because I think every medication, whether it's for MS, um, may suit one person but not another. But it just happened. And as I said, um, my white cell count was terrible. So I had, um, and I hope you don't mind me being so personal, but I hey, had, goodness. um chronic urinary tract infections I'd just get over one and I'd start another one and that was when we actually started looking at my white cell count it was um, you know like 0.1 and 0.2 when when you're looking at things like um, um, ocrevus they don't like to give you an infusion of ocrevus unless your um, white cell or your lymphocyte count is around the 0.7 so you can imagine and even now even though I've been on ocrevus nearly three years I still haven't got my white cell count up the other thing that I found with galenia, which I'm sure some people will find as well, is that I had terrible um, bouts of um, herpes simplex. Yeah, right. Cold sores, which I'd never had before. But that's that's all part of this, you know, this um, disease-modifying drugs that it might stop one thing, but it creates another, you know, devil. So, I mean, I was in some instances I was completely covered all over my body in cold sores. So wow. that's another thing that's been good about yeah. being on Ocrevus because that's sort of, um, as well as I take um, an antiviral called um, acyclovir, which some of your listeners might well know about. Yeah. And I think what's key to what you said is everyone, MS is so different for everybody, which means the medications that we take need to work for us individually. It can't be so-and-so said they do this, Although I think it's important to listen to these sorts of stories and question what you're doing, always be questioning the medications you're taking and the food you're eating and the exercise you're doing, but you've got to question it for yourself, not because someone else is doing it or saying it. And look, 
You know, that's very true. So in saying that, at the same time that I um, took started on Nocrevus, I also started a completely different eating plan. Um, so I became gluten-free because of the abdominal bloating and abdo pain when I ate gluten, and I've become vegan. Um, but, I mean, it's not because... I'm sad about cows or sheep being killed because I still cook it for my husband. So it's yeah. not something about that. But I just think um, the plant-based diet has made, so in fairness, it's a combination of things. So maybe Ocrevus wasn't as absolutely fabulous because I, in the same token, started changing my, my lifestyle in terms of food and diet. Yeah, and I think that's another one that's really important. I've been having a lot of conversations on my Instagram um, about food and diet and what people are eating. And I was on or following a, a vegan diet for six months and I felt awful. And so I have been to a nutritionist now and he's given me advice to do what works best for me. Yeah. Um, but it's not so easy as, again, just following one of those MS diets or following what you know what everyone it will some people say you've got to really figure out what works for you and, it works and I think different. I think that's absolutely true uh, individually and I think look you know um George Delnick's got a great MS um thing but I don't think it works for everybody um I can't remember the American doctor Terry, Terry somebody Wiles. Yes, yep. you know, her diet, you know, but, I mean, I, I'd probably turn out green if I ate what she ate because... <laughs> There's a lot of vegetables in there. Plant-based. But I think you're absolutely right, and I don't think... And one of the, I'm on one of the... Um, on a Facebook site for Ocrevus, um, and I sit in the background because I think I'd be rude if I actually replied to some of the things. Well, I think sometimes some of the people who make comments do so without any science base. And I think you need to be very careful when you're giving other people advice. Mm. But I think what works for one doesn't work for everybody. Yeah, well, I mean, that's it. Not only is MS super different, but we're all different. We're Everyone's different. So you've got to figure out what works best for you. And I think um, the other thing that plays a big factor in that, and it's fine to say, oh, yes, no, you're going to be um, a vegan or you're going to do a completely different style of eating. It also um, comes back to your finances and your economy and look now at the moment with so many people with COVID losing their jobs it's fine to say and I'm sure there are people who've got MS who might have lost their job who've had to make a completely um, different ch change of life and a change mm. of diet because of their finances. Yeah and I think it's something that's definitely we've never I've never spoken about that on the podcast what people can afford and what people um you know, like you said, have the means to eating a fully plant-based diet is can be, I've actually found it cheaper than um, buying meat. Meat's expensive. Absolutely. Um, but the sheer quantities of what you're needing to buy is just, I don't know. So, you know, people need to look, like you said, at what works best for them. Yeah, and look, just giving a plug to MS Connect, there's a wonderful lady called Nicola Graham who does a wonderful one on Eat Well and Live Well, a podcast as well as, you know, if there's anybody out there that has um, groups 
um, that they um, facilitate MS groups. She's a wonderful guest speaker and then mm. she talks about all different things and a lot of them aren't expensive. It's just about um, changing a diet that suits that particular person. Yeah, I actually um, did an online, I did the Eat Well, Live Well. It was online. It was great. Yes. Um, speaking of, let's talk about MS Connect and MS Groups. So the reason we connected is because we both work as um, or volunteer as um, peer support workers with MS Connect. Can you tell me how you got into that? Okay, so again, thank you, COVID, because I was a bit bored last year. Um, I'm one of those, I, as I said, an A-type personality. I'm worried if I haven't got something to do. Um, and I did a telelink group with a wonderful um, MS coordinator from Victoria, Kim Repka. And um, she, after that group, she obviously found out that I had a big mouth and and um, wasn't frightened to speak up. And, and, and I gave a lot of advice. And one of the things was which we talked about was I wasn't embarrassed to talk about um, medicinal cannabis. And so I talked about those sorts of things. And she rang me afterwards and said, would you like to do the training? And I was footloose and fancy free because at that stage we were really um, isolating at home. Uh, I'd given up going to the gym because um, the professor had said, you know, gym's a bit risky. Um, and we really hadn't even had COVID in, in this town. But anyway, so that was fine. And then from that, I then got a couple of referrals um, for phone support. And, uh, and that's how we started. Um, and it's been wonderful. So I've got yeah. a fabulous over 65 MS group and they've been inspirational. They're dynamic. And I just regret that we only talk once a month on the phone because I'd love to talk to them every week. Yeah. Um, and interesting from that, just one um, um, thing aside from that is that most of those people who got their MS, oh, who were on my group, waited 30 years to get a diagnosis of MS. Yeah, yeah. So on the um, MSP sport, if you're, I'm going to speak particularly for Victoria and New South Wales because that's where we both are, but um, if you're a newly diagnosed person or, in fact, I contacted um, two years after my diagnosis and, like you said, there's a lot of women you're probably um, working with um, who have been diagnosed for longer, um, you can contact MS Connect and if you want to speak with someone who you um, just want to chat with, you know, need to relate to, they'll try and match you up with someone who's in a similar stage of life or like-minded and you can have a chat about your diagnosis and how you're feeling. And then in a lot of areas we have a um, monthly coffee catch-up in Geelong. So we do that too. So if that's something that people who are listening are interested in, if that's something that you, yeah, you're newly diagnosed and you just want to chat with someone who will get it, Give MS Connect a call. And I don't know the number off the top of my head. Do you yes, know? I do. Oh, there you 18, go. 1800 042 138. There you go. And I'll pop it in the show notes as well. Um, so, yeah, give them a call because there's a, there's a huge amount of support through the MS Connect and I found them really great. And that's why I actually contacted them two years after my diagnosis and had peer support, one-on-one um, -on -one over the phone peer support, and then... Um, it took me a little bit longer to join a group because I wasn't quite ready to be um, like dive into 
seeing what everyone looked like with MS, but over the last couple of years and now I'm coordinating the local group, it's been much less daunting and, in fact, much more lovely than I had anticipated. So, yeah. yeah. Well, with me setting up this local support group uh, in Tamworth, one of the ladies whom I know has had MS for a long time wasn't a member of MS Connect and, unfortunately, I couldn't invite her to our support group per se um, because it is through MS Connect. Mm. Um, Yeah, and that's important too because you actually, if you... Come along to one of these groups is important that you're a member of MS Connect because the insurance covers the groups. Yes. So, yeah. yeah, if you're thinking about that, definitely call up. It's free. It's easy. Um, and, yeah, there's a lot of support around it. So, But, yeah. sorry, continue. No, no. So oh, that was the- she's, just, she's just thrilled now because she's got that support, whereas... And, and even though um, we've known each other for a long time, I, I just took it for granted that she was part mm. of MS Connect. Yeah, yeah. Um, now, you did call me to speak and give your advice, I suppose, your two cents worth about medicinal cannabis. It's not something I think I said in the last episode that I spoke about this. It's not something I know anything about. So I'm going to hand over to you and I'm going to ask all of the questions that probably people are thinking. Okay. So um, I have a friend who has primary progressive here in Tamworth and she was the first person who started, that I know of um, locally, who started MS, uh, medicinal cannabis. And we'll call it MC because it's just quicker that way. Yeah, yeah. And I know that she got it through the black market, but she got a lot, she has a lot of spasms um, and leg problems and, um, and, and it gave her a lot of relief. She takes hers three times a day. Um, and I then started developing the most horrendous um, spasms in the in the night time to the point where I'd even one night had to ring Triple O and get the ambulance, take me up to the hospital and get Valium um, to stop those spasms. I'm now also on medication. And, and I thought, well, there's nothing in it. Why don't I try it? And the only thing that worried me at that time, and it still did for quite some years, was that it was on the black market. So you don't know how it's made. You don't know what's in it. And then I moved to a couple of other um, suppliers more locally because um, that particular supplier was expensive. So you're Um, buying medicinal cannabis, MC, on the black market, or are you just buying weed? I was buying it on the black market. Yeah, is it through... The same is so is medicinal cannabis and like general weed that people smoke same thing or different? Well, that's the that's a good question, Claire, because you don't know what you're getting when you're yeah. buying it off the black market. The other thing at the same time that was happening in this town was a lady called Lucy Haslam became a national icon for trying to get legalized medicinal cannabis. So her young son uh, was diagnosed, a younger son was diagnosed at the age of 20 with end-stage bowel cancer. And he, um, so um, Dan in his last few years um, inhaled um, medicinal cannabis, um, which was done at home. His father was a cop in the drug squad. Um, wow. so, um, so Lucy and I had a lot to do with it. And she would say, oh, if you go up to Nimbin, I can give you the name of supplier. Then there was um, a movie made called Hires Mike. Yeah, Hires Mike. And it was about a guy who went around Australia 
um, interviewing people who are on medicinal cannabis, um, not only for MS, but for other things like cancer. And I just thought, well, you know, that nothing ventured, nothing gained. At that stage, my GP was a bit iffy, so she didn't want to sort of get involved in it at that stage because nobody else in the practice was um, supporting it. So that's why I went through the black market. Sorry, then- I'm still confused, though. Are they the same thing? Is we like is like when you just well it is it's, it's essentially weed, it's, the same thing. It, there's different ways. Okay, great. You can smoke it. Okay, you so you can it. just buy it and smoke it or inhale it as a medicinal. Purpose. Yeah, but but then you've got to think that weed has uh, that it's got two components in it. The marijuana. Okay, yep. It's got the t- uh, the CBD, which gives you is the beneficial part yep, for us. Yeah, yep. yep. and then it's got the THC, which is which what is the. the which is mind-altering. Yes. So, you know, the euphoria. Right. Okay. Yep. So if you smoke the cigarette, you'd get both the CBD and the THC. Yes. If you go through the black market, you would, you're told that there's no THC in it, but how can you prove that? Oh, so you're buying the CBD from the black market, but you're not sure whether it's got oh. a mind-altering stuff in it still or not. Exactly. There you go. Okay. Got it. Okay. And you yeah. don't know how it's manufactured? Yes. And is and that still smokable or is that then coming different? Well, I got mine as an oil. Right. Okay. I only ever knew mine as an, as an oil. oil. As an oil. Yeah. So I and, and I was always worried, even though it's a small town where you, you know, um, where you don't have it as often, but I was worried about mobile drug testing. Mm. you know through the police what you know yeah. if I was going to be pulled up because the last thing I ever want to do is to give up my um my freedom driver's license. Yeah, my driver's license yeah which is what we spoke about in that last episode yeah so yeah. I took it and then when I changed um dealers on the black market I found that the, the second lot I was getting really did nothing mm. and I don't know whether it was a placebo I really don't know it tasted different it tasted just like grass I'm not saying it was grass but it didn't taste like the one I'd got previously so I then went back to my GP again and said look I really am, I'm really quite concerned but I do want to try the legal medicinal and she at that stage had her stepfather who lived in Melbourne was dying of um, cancer Um, and she said look I'm going to ring up my mum and I'm going to find out where he got it from so there are a number of companies that will work on your behalf so you ring up and you'll say oh I've got cancer or I've got severe pain or I've got MS and they'll ask you a few questions so the company and I'm not um, uh, supporting it I'm not saying this is the one to go through because there's one called Tetra Health um, I went through Cambolate. Um, so you got, it's not cheap. So you got charged, I think, $95 to have a consult with a GP over the phone. He then works out whether he thinks or she thinks that you're a candidate for medicinal cannabis. Um, and if they do, they then go through the TGA and they go through that state's um, Department of Health um, to get authority. Now, that all happened within 36 hours. I got the approval and I then got two 25ml bottles, so that's 50 mils in total for $500. Wow. Um, and that you can say, well, I'm very yeah. lucky that I don't take mine every day, whereas other people do need to. And I've heard of people that have gone through that 50 mils in a week. Could you imagine then having to pay 
$500 a month, mm. a, a week, I mean, sorry, mm. just doesn't work or doesn't no. wait. So I, I know when I have my bad days. I know when I've been extremely busy or stressed out um, with commitments that I will probably have a um, um, the spasms in my leg, even though I'm on medication. I take a, a drug called Cifril and I take a... Um, um, I can't think of the other drug that I take at the moment. It'll come to me um, for leg spasms. Yeah. But I then will take um, the equivalent of, say, um, a quarter of a teaspoon of this uh, medicinal cannabis. It's an oil which I put under my tongue and I'll go to bed and I'll have a good night's sleep. So I don't take it regularly. Um, this bottle I've got now I've had since February. Yeah, okay. So that's $250 since February. Mm. And it's still got probably 10 mils in it. Yeah. So, but it's wonderful. I, I get so much relief from that. And the other thing is occasionally I'll get a really, really bad spasm in my groin or in my hamstring to the point where I'm screaming and my husband will go out and I'll, t um, I'll take a mil uh, and within 60 seconds that spasm has um, gone. Yeah, wow. But I do know other people who take it regularly during the day and swear by it and say, you know, I couldn't get through the day without it. So I think, again, like MS, every person has a different way of how they take the medicinal cannabis yeah. and, 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 and how often they take it. And we spoke on the phone before this, um, when we first connected, about the driver's licence. So is it true because it doesn't have the THC in it, you don't get your driver's license taken. Okay, off. so Camberlate was based in Melbourne, yep. I think. Um, so again, it was over the phone consultation. It was not um, a Zoom face -face. or face to face. Yeah. But I said to that um, to the doctor. His name was Dr. Kevin. I won't give you his surname for yep. confidentiality reasons. But I said to him, I need to drive. Can I? You know, if I have this oil. So here's the box. Yep. Um, if I have this oil, can I drive? I have to drive. And he said, oh, you don't want any THC in yours? And I said, no, I don't. So I, this clearly says it's just got the CBD um, in it, nothing else. Yeah, yeah. 25 mils of it. Yeah. Yeah, right. So that's really interesting. So it's worth looking into if people are curious is to um, speak with their GP and yep. um, find out yep. about these and you'll agencies. Go online and, as I said, um, all right, I'm happy to send you um, a list because I think I've got a list of about 10 different companies that go through this process. Yeah, and so maybe if people are interested, they can reach out to me and I can get the yep. information. So I'll send you the information. Yeah. But it's... Um, and some people do have THC, so they have a combination of CBD oil and the THC. And as I said, it comes in different formats. Yeah. Ways that you do it. Yeah. But that's... I know, I, and I have done mobile drug testing, and my heart's been in my mouth um, because I've had it, thinking, yeah. oh my goodness, am I? And I'm not really worried. Look, if I go to jail, I'll get everything I ever want in jail. Uh, but you, but I. I've passed with flying colours. Yeah. But, and that's the reason why I've gone legally. And, yes, it's expensive, but I know what I'm getting. I know how it's been manufactured. And the reason why it's so expensive or the reason I've been told it's so expensive because at the moment they're getting it from Scandinavia. 
Right. You know, um, even though there's a laboratory 100 kilometres up the road, I don't, and who's manufacturing it under, you know, secret um, um, uh, business, but it is legally done. Um, we aren't seeing it. I think there's a place in Western Australia that makes it. I think it's called the Little Green Farm, P-H-A-R-M, mm -hmm. um, that, that manufactures it, but, you know, I think the reason why it's so expensive and because of the narrow-mindedness of um, the AMA and gen uh, doctors in, in general, and I think it's not until you, your doctor, your own GPs, see the benefits their patients are getting from it that they often will make a change. Yeah, yeah. Well, thank you so much for sharing all of that. It's super interesting and I always love that I can ask whatever questions because like I said I don't know anything about it and no, no. Um, I think there's probably a lot of people out there in the same position so if that's going to help but they've got any questions they can send them to you and then yeah. I, you and I can get together again yeah yeah definitely um I have two questions I love to ask everyone at the end of every episode the first one is tell me the best thing to have happened to you because of your MS Oh, family support. My kids, my sons are closer to me now. Um, I didn't ever ask for sympathy, but yes. Yeah. yeah, I'd say the family connection has been wonderful rather than them running away. And they're boys. They're not, you know, they have a different psyche, but they've been fabulous. Oh. And what is something you'd tell people to make MS more understood? Um. And I guess it's a very personal thing, but I don't hide away from it. Don't be ashamed that you've got it, you know, because I think that once you have it, people um, respect you and love you even more and want to be there. I don't need a lot of support. I've got that from my family connection, but don't be a, a frightened to share it. I think there comes a point, as you say, Claire, it might have taken you a while before you accepted it and things like that. And it'll be different for every person. But even at least with your circle of friends, so they understand why you, you might be teary or you fly off the handle or that you don't turn up for something. Yeah. Thank you, Marianne, so much for taking the time to share your story with us today. My pleasure. Have a great day. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode of MS Understood. If you're interested in any of the information that Marianne spoke about, please get in contact with me and I can connect you with her. You can find me on Instagram at Claire.Riley or MS Understood Podcast. The best thing you can do to support this podcast is click follow on Spotify, subscribe on your other podcast listening platforms and leave a five-star review and rating. This helps others be exposed to the podcast and might just find a newly diagnosed person when they just need it. I'm always looking for new guests for the MS Understood Podcast. If this is you or someone you know, please send me a message via either of my Instagram accounts. And in an effort to make sure we have representation, I'd love to hear from any members of the LGBTQI plus community, our black and BIPOC community, or any men willing to share their stories of living with multiple sclerosis. Thanks again for listening and please share this episode with someone you think it might help. 